So the request for donations in the Mishkan was just the first example where we Jews were asked to donate generously. Tzedakah, of course, is one of the, or charity, is one of the most important mitzvahs. In fact, the Talmud says that when we say the mitzvah, not a mitzvah, but the mitzvah, refers to the mitzvah of tzedakah. Because it is the greatest and the most important mitzvah. And it's a very, very powerful mitzvah. It brings us great blessings. It can help us get out of very, very difficult situations. In fact, it says that because of tzedakah charity, God can change his plans for us as a result of charity. The Talmud says, Charity saves us from death. And tells us the story about the great sage Rabbi Akiva, who was told that his daughter was going to die on her wedding day. And he was very worried about it, but nothing he could do. He tried to keep her safe, but there's only so much you can do. And indeed, she got married. She was going to get married. Her wedding day came, and he was very concerned that she would die on her wedding day. And so, her wedding day came, they had a wedding, everything went fine, everything went smoothly, but he, she went home um, to, with her new husband, they went home, and he was sure he would never see her again. The next morning, she shows up, and he was shocked. He said, what happened? She said, what happened? What do you mean? said, I didn't expect to see you. Did you do a mitzvah yesterday? What mitzvah did you do? She thinks and she says, well, yesterday as everyone was getting ready for the wedding, there was a knock on the door and it was a poor individual who had came and asked for a donation. And everybody was busy, nobody was paying attention to this fellow, and I saw him, he looked hungry, and so I took a plate of the wedding food, and I gave him the plate. And so her father said, you should know that you were supposed to die yesterday. The reason why you were saved is because you helped this person. The tzedakah has saved you. And he went over to her house, And he looked at the wall and he saw that in the wall she had taken a pin out of her hair and stuck it, she was lazy, she stuck it into the wall. And he pulled the pin out of the wall and right behind the pin was a dead snake right over her bed. The snake, there had been a hole in the wall, the snake had been coming out of the hole and she killed the snake just by putting in the pin without even realizing And she was going to die, but the tzedakah had saved her. So tzedakah is a very powerful thing. It saves us from the most difficult situations. The Torah tells us that we must give at least 10% of our earnings to charity. 10% of our net earnings go to, have to be given to tzedakah, have to be given to charity. 
And we should calculate, don't estimate and say, in Pirkei Avot and Ethics of the Father says, don't estimate and say, I'm giving about 10%. I think I've given 10%. No, you have to calculate it. Figure out your earnings. It's now tax season, just started. Figure out your earnings and calculate how much your net earnings were this past year. Net meaning minus your invest, minus what you, it's, you had to spend to get those earnings, or minus things taken off the top like taxes. When you take all that away, your net earnings, how much are they? Whatever your net earnings are, you have to give 10% to tzedakah. A little while back, we did a class where we spoke about exactly how to calculate it, what constitutes profits from a halachic perspective, exactly how to calculate 10% of your earnings. We once did a class on that. We, it's on the podcast, and um, definitely go ahead and listen to it if you want to know more how to calculate it. But at least once annually, you should calculate, see how much you earned. We do it anyway for taxes, and make sure that you have given 10% after the taxes as well, you have given 10% of your earnings to tzedakah. But 10% is only a minimum. A person should ideally give more than 10%. The Jacob, our ancestor, made a promise to God, everything that you will, you will give me, aser asrenolach, I will tithe for you. I will give 10% back for you. The Talmud points out that it says, Aser a'asrenu. Tenth, I will tithe, I will tithe. It's a double wording. Says the Talmud, it doesn't mean that he'll give 10%. I will give 10% and another 10%. 20%. If a person can ideally... They should give more than 10%. If you can give, you should give 20% to charity. 10% is only a minimum. And now, the, the tzedakah that you're giving can either go to help somebody in need, to help somebody who's doing a mitzvah, to, um, to help with a mitzvah being done that one's not obligated in, or it can help go to a communal purpose for the communal good. So 10% is a minimum. But is there a maximum? How much is the most you can give to charity? There is no so the Talmud says that there is a maximum. The Talmud says that the maximum one, can give to, one should give to charity is 20%. But to be clear, while a person has to tithe and give 10% of their earnings to charity, when we say a person can give up to 20%, that's up to 20%, not of their earnings, but of their assets. Right? Your assets means everything you've learned throughout your, earned throughout your lifetime. You can give up to 20% total over your lifetime to charity. So not just 20% of this year's earnings, 20% of last year and the year before and the year before and everything that you own, you can give 20, up to 20% total for charity. 
Why up to 20%? Yes, Karen. For each year or over your Total, lifetime? over your lifetime, you can give up to 20% of your assets to charity. Now, why only 20%? So the Talmud says, because having assets allows you to continue earning money and caring for yourself, allowing you not to become a ward of the public. If you gave away everything that you had to charity, then you would need charity to survive. And you would never be able to give charity again. So therefore, unless you somehow figure out a way to earn more. So therefore, you've got to retain your own assets so that you can grow your assets, so that you will have money for yourself, as well as you will then be able to give to charity going forward. The Talmud, though, points out that there were sages that, or people that when they died, they left half their assets or even all their assets to charity. And so the Talmud says that the limit of 20% to charity is only during your lifetime so that you should have money to live on. But upon death, you can leave it all to charity. You don't have to. The Torah believes in inheritance. You can leave money to your heirs, to your next of kin, your children. If you don't have children, siblings, or other family, you can leave to others. But you definitely can and should leave a significant percentage of it to charity. So, in, so the 20% max is only during one's lifetime, not after death. After death, you can leave all of it to charity. Also, the Talmud says that there's another, sorry, later scholars pointed out, there's another limit to this rule. A person who has enough wealth to support themselves, even if they can support themselves comfortably, should not give all their assets away. But a person who has wealth well beyond anything they will ever need, and thank God today many people were blessed with wealth that they will never need. It's beyond what they'll ever need. They definitely can give away much more than 20%. A person who has millions or tens of millions of dollars in assets, they're not going to need that money. Even if they spent, lived in luxury their whole life, they won't be able to spend that much money unless they spend it on frivolous, useless things. But if you don't waste the money, you'll never be able to spend that kind of money. You definitely could give more than 20% to charity so long as you leave yourself enough to live on. But you definitely can give much more than 20%. Then how there is another exception to this 20% limit. Commentaries explain that there are times when people were in need. People needed charity. They came and asked for charity. Or there were organizations that were in need and needed charity. And they were in great need at that time. And people gave them, our sages gave them, much more 
than 20% of their assets when people were in need. And so it's only when a person is giving on your own. You shouldn't wait for people to come and ask you. You have to give at least 10% of your earnings every year on your own to charity without waiting for anyone to ask. Ideally, one should even give more. One should give 20% of their earnings or even more if they can to charity. But if someone is in great need, if somebody is dying, if somebody is hungry, if there is an organization that is, needs money or they're going to fall apart, a school that doesn't have, cannot afford to keep their kids in school to, teach, to keep the children because they're running, they've run out of money. People are in need and they come and approach you and they say, we need money. In such an instance, you can give more than, your, than the 20% of your assets. It's only if there isn't a pressing need where you're giving generously on your own, then there's a limit to 20%. But if there's a pressing need, you can give more. So we have, the Talmud says that there is a limit on how much charity you can give, 20% of your assets. There's a minimum, 10% of your earnings every year. There's a maximum 20% of your assets, but there's a couple of exceptions. That's only during your lifetime. Upon death, you can give everything. It's only if you, uh, it's only if you don't have much, much more money than you'll ever need. But if you have much more money than you'll ever need, then you definitely can give more than 20% of your assets. And also, it's only if there's no pressing need. If there's a pressing need, they need the money right now and it's urgent, it's important, and they approach you, you should give whatever you can, even if it's more than 20% of your assets. So this is all based on the teachings of the Talmud. However, in the book called Tanya, which is a very important Hasidic book, very, written about 250 years ago, it tells us that all these limits that were placed, the 20% maximum, was around in the days of the temple, in temple times. Why? Because in temple times, let's say a person transgressed one of God's commandments. They did something wrong. They weren't respectful to their parents, one of the Ten Commandments, or some other commandment. They did something wrong. They didn't follow one of God's commandments. They need to do teshuva, to repent. How do you repent? We did a class on teshuva a few months ago. You have to regret what you've done. You've done bad, you've got to regret what you've done and commit to never do it again. But that's not enough. Because when you do something wrong, when you go against God's commandments, you leave a stain on your soul. And you have to clean that stain off your soul. How do you clean? It's like when you hurt somebody else, let's say, which is also a sin in its own right. You hurt another person. And then you go and you say, I'm so sorry, I feel really bad. I'm so sorry, I won't do it again. That's not enough. You hurt the person. You have to do something to make up for it. You have to make them feel better. You have to give them something, do something for them. It's not enough just to say, I'm sorry. So in the same way, if we hurt God, by not obeying his instructions to us. We leave a stain on our soul. It's not enough just to say, I really feel bad for what I did, I'll never do it again. That's not enough. We have to go through steps called kapara. 
Kapara, like Yom Kippur, means atonement or cleansing. We have to cleanse our soul. How do you cleanse your soul? So in the days of the temple, it was really easy. They had sacrifices. They would bring a special sacrifice. Different transgressions had different sacrifices. You'd bring a sacrifice, and that would cleanse your soul. We don't have a temple anymore. We don't have the ability to cleanse our soul with sacrifices. So how do you clean your soul? So in the Tanya tells us that the way to clean your soul without a temple is by giving tzedakah. Tzedakah cleanses your soul. How much should you give? You've got to give a large amount, depending on what you've done. You've got to give a large amount to tzedakah, something that is a sacrifice for yourself, something that's difficult. Now, even though the Talmud says not to spend more than 20% of your assets on tzedakah, however, that's only for healthy people. If a person is sick, and you need treatment. Your life is in danger. You're sick. And you need treatment. It says in the book of Job, Kol asher Anything that you own, you will give to save your life. To pay for treatment, to save yourself. Say, mm, you know what? That chemotherapy is too expensive. I'll pass on that one. You don't do that. Say, that treatment, nah, that's a little much. Can I get a discount? Without a discount, you know, I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm going to see if I can get a better deal somewhere else. You don't do that. You don't negotiate when you're dealing with your medical needs. When you're sick, you don't negotiate. You, give, you spend anything that you can, even go into debt, whatever it takes to heal yourself. So says... The Tanya, a person who is spiritually sick. And unfortunately, nobody's perfect. Everybody has their things that they've done that we need God to forgive us for. And a person is spiritually sick. You've got to give, be ready to spend everything in order to heal yourself. You don't ask, hey, it's too much. So the healing, the medicine, the spiritual medicine for anything that we may have done for ourselves, for our spiritual health, is tzedakah. So in order to heal ourselves, we have to be prepared to give tzedakah. Be prepared to give more than 20%. More than you would normally spend. Don't say, oh, it's too much. Whatever you are going to spend, give more, because that makes it a sacrifice. And that way God will forgive you for anything that you may need. So therefore, says the Tanya, the 20% is only for healthy people or in temple times when they had a sacrifice option. Today, tzedakah is our sacrifice. Charity is our sacrifice. And so, if you want God's favor, the way you're not perfect, most of us are not perfect, the way you do that is by giving God more than you can afford to tzedakah. Now, the truth is, even though we say we cannot afford tzedakah, the truth is that really we can afford more than we think. Firstly, tzedakah is the very best investment. 
There was a story told about the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, that he once asked one of his grandchildren, who got, one of his grandchildren got married. And after their wedding, he asked his grandson, he said, what are you going to do with the money that you got for the wedding? You got a lot of money at your wedding. What are you going to do with that money? What do you do with it? So he said he's going to invest it. He has a friend who has a great investment that's very secure, and he's going to invest it. So the Rebbe pointed to a tzedakah box sitting on the table, and he said, I think this is the best investment for your wedding. <coughs> and this is, this is the money for their wedding, the money they're going to build their life on. How can he give it all to tzedakah? He said, thank you, but no thank you. I'm going to stick with my investments. Sometime later, his grandfather asked him, what happened to your wedding money investment? He said, you wouldn't believe it. This fellow we were investing with turned out to be a crook. We lost everything. And so the Rebbe said, see, I told you that tzedakah box is your best investment because you can never lose it. The mitzvah that you got is worth more than all the money that you gave and you'll never lose it. Nobody can ever take it from you. They tell the story that one of the um, wealthiest Jews um, in 18th century Europe was Rabbi Shimshon or Samson Wertheimer. He was the treasurer of the Austrian Empire. And very, very wealthy. He was the Rothschilds, before, long before the Rothschilds. He ran the greatest banking um, network in Europe in his day. Extremely, extremely wealthy. One time the emperor, uh, the Austrian emperor asked him, for people accused him that he was siphoning off money from the Austrian crown. So the um, Austrian emperor asked him for a list of his amount of how much his total assets are worth. And so he gave the Austrian emperor a number of how much his total assets are worth. But it was less than what his assets actually are. And so the Austrian emperor was upset at him he had him arrested immediately and froze all of his assets. He froze all his assets to the point we know where we have other sources that when he froze his assets, it froze the banking system in Europe at the time because he was the biggest bank and the whole bank was frozen. And the Austrian emperor called him and told him, explain yourself. You told me that your assets are worth less than I know your assets to be worth. And he said, you see, the assets that I have, my banking empire is not really mine. In a second, you could take it away from me. The assets I really own is the charity that I've given. He gave a huge amount of charity, supported communities all around the world. He said, the assets I've given is the the assets I have, the charity I've given, the number I gave you is the amount of charity that I've given in my lifetime. And he was teaching the emperor a lesson. My assets aren't real assets. The real assets I have is charity. Because that is the best investment, something that can never be taken away from you. 
But not only is tzedakah a great investment because it can never be taken away, you get the mitzvah, it's also a good investment because it will lead you to get more money than you gave. The Talmud tells us, the Torah says, Lo Hashem you're not allowed to test Hashem. You're never allowed to test it. You're not allowed to say, I'm going to do a mitzvah if you heal me. Or I'm going to do a mitzvah if you make my football team win. Or some, I make a condition with God for a mitzvah. There's only one exception. The prophet Malachi says, Bechanuni na bezot. Test me with this, with the mitzvah of tzedakah. Test me, give charity, and test me to see if I will make you wealthier or give you more than you gave. Try it, the prophet Malachi says. Says the Talmud, you can try it. You can offer money to God and say, I will give money to charity. God, I expect you to give me back more. And he will. It works every time. Try it. The Midrash tells the story of a Jew in Antioch, which was a town in what today is southern Turkey, called a big, then it was a big city and a big Jewish community, called Abba Yudin. And Abba Yudin was a very wealthy man who gave very large amounts of money to charity. And then at one point he had some bad, a bad turn on his business, and he wasn't doing very well. He had lost most of his money. One day, the great sages, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua, came to town. They were collecting money for the yeshivas in the land of Israel. And they always went to Abba Yudin. He was always one of their big donors. He heard that they came to town, but he had no money to give them. And so he stayed home. He didn't want to leave his house. He was afraid if he went out to the market, he would meet the rabbis. And they'll ask him for money, and he can't give them anything. So he was staying at home. His wife said, why don't you leave the house? Why are you home all day? He said, because I heard the rabbis are in town collecting for the yeshivas in Israel, and I have no money to give them. So his wife said, don't you still own one field? He said, yes. She said, sell half the field and give the money to the rabbis. So he did that. He went, he sold half the field for five gold coins. He took the five gold coins, which was a large sum, and he gave it to the rabbis. And they said, God, they gave him a blessing. God will give you more than what you gave us. All he had left was a half a field. Later, he started plowing his half a field. And as he was plowing his half a field, he struck a treasure. And he gained much, much more than he ever had. A more modern example, there was a Jew, he actually lived here at the very end of his life in Redondo Beach. His name was Gimple Oremland, his grandchildren. He has a number of grandchildren in the community. Gimple Oremland lived in Florida, in Miami. And in the 1960s, he used to go um, visit the Rebbe for the holidays for Simchat Torah. And he would often, he was a successful businessman at one point, and he would give the Rebbe, he would give charity. And one year, though, his business took a bad turn. He wasn't doing very well. Um, and 
he wasn't doing very well. And so the Rebbe, uh, and so he came to the Rebbe that year, and the Rebbe asked him in public if he would give, asked him to give $5,000. This was back in the 1960s. It was worth many times what it's worth today. He didn't have that money. But the Rebbe had asked him. He said, yes! The Rebbe said, are you going to give it happily? He didn't have the money. He said, yes, I'll give it happily. And so, after the holidays, he went back home to Miami. He borrowed $5,000 because he didn't have the money. And he gave it to charity as promised. The Rebbe told him before he left, he asked the Rebbe what he told the Rebbe, he's going to give the money, but he doesn't have it, what he should do. Sorry, I forgot to mention, the Rebbe told him that he's going to be blessed with much, much more before the next year. Before he comes back for the holiday the next year, he's going to be blessed many times more. He asked the Rebbe, what should I do? The Rebbe said, go build a nursing home. A nursing home. So he didn't have any money, but he found some investors, and he found a property right next to a hospital. Nursing homes tend to be placed next to a hospital. He found a property right next to a hospital. And he got investors to put up the money to purchase the property so that he can build a nursing home. Now, building a building is not a, takes a very, very long time. Meanwhile, he had nothing, right? He was in this long-term project, but he didn't have any money yet of his own. And the year passed. He was involved in this project, but he still didn't have any money. He never got money to pay back his debt that he had borrowed the $5,000, nor did he get any more. And it was already time for the holidays again. He was going to go back to New York, and the Rebbe had promised before he came back he would have much more than he had given. And he had no idea where he would get it from. But he knew the Rebbe told him he would. And just before the holidays, he got a call from the hospital. The hospital said, we're expanding. And we want to buy the property that you have next to the hospital where he was working on building a nursing home. And they offered a sum much, much, much more than he had paid for. He negotiated with them. And sure enough, before the holiday, he already received the full amount, making many, many, many times what he had pledged to charity. So these are just some examples, but we believe that God works in very powerful ways. When we give to tzedakah, God gives us many, many times as much. In truth... It's important to remember that all the money that we have is not even really ours. It's not ours. It belongs to Hashem. In Pirkei Avot, in Ethics of Our Fathers, we say, Ten lo michelo. Give God what belongs to Him. We are giving His. In Psalms we say, Miyadcha hakol, everything comes from God. Mimcha hakol, it all comes from you. Miyadcha natanulach, we're giving yours back to you. Essentially, all of our assets are not really ours. They're on loan to us by God. 
God gives it to us for a purpose. Some of it to spend on ourselves. Some of it to spend on mitzvahs. So when we give money to charity, that's money that God had designated for the charity. But he gave it to us to give us the opportunity to give it to charity. But it's not that we were supposed to keep it. It was never intended for us to keep. It was intended for the charity. God only gave it to us to give us a chance to do the mitzvah. We're just doing our job. We're giving back that which is his. So we're giving the charity money God has given us. It was meant for them all along. It's so easy to forget. Sometimes we say, oh, this is my hard-earned money. I worked so hard for it. Or I was so smart that I came up with the investments or I had the skills that was able to earn this money. It's not you. God gave it to you. A lot of very smart and hard-working people didn't make the same money. It's a gift from Hashem. So we have to use it for whatever He wants us to use it for. He gave it to us in order that we should give tzedakah. So while the Talmud gives us a 20% max, firstly, there are exceptions, as we said. It's only during our lifetime, not after death. It's only if... We don't have much, much more than we need, then we definitely could give more, and it's only if there's not an urgent need for charity. But even then, a person should give more firstly because it helps heal our soul, and for healing, you can give everything. We're sick. In order to heal ourselves, we could give everything, we don't question. But even more so, everything that we give is the greatest investment we can do, and firstly, we receive we receive the mitzvah, which is the greatest return on investment, but also Hashem promises that we will make more money than we gave. You give money, you get back more. And anyway, we're giving Him back His money. So therefore, a person should never be hesitant to give. A person should always be willing to give. And don't be hesitant, whatever you can give, you can always give back even more. In fact, our sages say that Hashem responds to us in the same way we act to Him. So if we are very calculated and only give God what we can afford, then God is also calculated and only gives us what He thinks we deserve. When we are generous... When we give more than we can afford, God gives us back more than we deserve. It's a direct correlation. God responds to us the way we act. If we're calculated, say, you know what, I can't really afford to give right now. I can't really afford to give this much. If we do that, then God says, you know, you don't really need that much. When we say, I don't really have money, I'm in debt, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, I don't really have money to give right now to something, someone who's asking me or something in need. But I'm going to give it anyway, I don't care. I'll figure it out later. I'm going to give anyway. I'm going to give a significant amount anyway. When we do that, God says, I don't care, I'm going to give you a lot back in an uncalculated way. The more generous we are with God, the more generous He will be with us. And so therefore, 
when sometimes we feel, you know what, it's a little bit too much. I don't really have the money right now. I don't really have somewhere where I'm going to pay this back. I'm putting it on a credit card. Don't worry. God will pay you back. Nothing to be afraid of. You give, God will take care of it. And if you're generous, then God will be generous with you. So this is true for tzedakah during our lifetimes. We mentioned before that the Talmud says that when it comes to after our lifetime, we should give, we, there's no limits whatsoever. During our life, you still you don't want to run out of money entirely. But once we're gone, we don't need it. We can't take any of it with us. That's why in Jewish traditions, everyone's buried in simple white shrouds and a simple box. Why are we buried in a simple pine box? Because to remind us, you don't take anything with us. There's nothing, nothing fancy. They try to sell you up now in all the mortuaries. But you can't take it with you. You don't take it with you. You leave it all behind. It's all gone. So when we leave, what's going to happen to it? We're going to let our kids fight over it? What are we going to do with it? So sometimes our children really need the money. In such an instance, we probably should give it to them already during our lifetime. But if our children are okay and secure financially, and they don't really need it, maybe we can leave a little bit to them to make them happy. But leave the rest to tzedakah. Leave it to a good cause. Then you take everything, all your hard work from your entire life, everything that you've worked for, and giving it to a good cause. Giving it to a mitzvah. You're making your whole life's work into a mitzvah. Taking all your assets and giving it to tzedakah. Or a significant percentage of your assets. Give it to tzedakah. Why do you have to leave it to nobody? Most people don't even write wills. And they leave it to no one and let everybody fight over it. So, firstly, I would encourage you, if you don't yet have a will, to reach out. And I could recommend, we have a number of... Um, we have a number of um, state attorneys in the community we could recommend um, if you need, but definitely make sure that you write a will. Very important. But when you do, if you have children who are in need, you probably should give them the money now that they need, um, but leave some of it to them, but leave a significant amount to tzedakah as well. Now the truth is, some people don't have a lot of assets. They don't have a huge bank account with lots of investments. They say, I'm poor. I don't have, I live on my social security check. Or I live on, I live on, you know, minimal assets. I don't have a lot of money. But the truth is that most people, even people who are struggling during their life, still have valuable assets without even realizing. If you own a home, chances are the equity in your home is worth more than all the charity you've given in your entire lifetime. If you have other assets, retirement accounts or the like, it can be worth even more. And so even people who during their lifetime were unable to give significant amounts to tzedakah have the ability to give very large amounts after their life ends. In their death, you can give a huge amount because if you have assets that you would have never thought of giving away, like the equity in your home, you don't need it anymore when you're gone. 
you may as well give it to tzedakah, and that often, for most people, will be more than they've ever given during their life. And so therefore, even if you say, I'm poor, I don't have a lot of money, I don't have assets, I don't have big investments and big retirement accounts, you still should write a will, and you still should give whatever assets you do have, leave it behind at least a significant percentage to tzedakah. Now, when giving tzedakah, when giving charity, you could give to poor people, people in need. (coughs) You could give towards doing mitzvahs, such as education. Or you could give towards communal good, towards a synagogue, towards a community. There are also many wonderful non-Jewish causes in this country. A lot of very, very good causes, a lot of charities in this country, millions of them. There are organizations that help the poor. You could give back to your school, to your alma mater. They keep emailing you and calling you. You could give to hospitals. You could give to medical research. There are so many wonderful causes that we can give to. Now, all these are very, very good causes. But as Jews, it's important that we help our own. We're a relatively small community. There aren't that many Jews. If we don't help ourselves, who will? There are other people that can give to the hospital. There are other people that can give to the university. Chances are that your university has an endowment fund that is many, many times or millions of times any amount of money you've ever owned and they probably don't even need or the amount of money you're going to give, they don't really even need it. So rather than giving, if you're Jewish, rather than giving to non-Jewish causes, it's really important to focus and give most of your charity, both during your life and after your life, to, to the Jewish community, to Jewish causes, to Jewish organizations. So if you're choosing charitable giving today or in your will, make sure most of what you're giving is going to Jewish causes, to Jewish organizations, not just to research or to, which are wonderful things, but there's plenty of other people that can give to secular causes or to non-Jewish causes. Now, we've focused so far today mostly on financial. One second, before I go, Debbie, you had a question? Quickly? Debbie, you had a question? Sorry? That's an excellent question. We did a class in the past on whom to give, and we spoke about that. I'm going to answer the question after the class. Okay? So we can also, while we're focused on financial giving, while we're focused till now on financial giving, money is not the only way to give to tzedakah. We can also give to tzedakah by giving our time and our talents to tzedakah. And so we can, whether we volunteer for an organization, whether we help out, or we mentor, or we tutor, we're able to give time, not only assets, we're able to give time and talents to tzedakah. Both are, of course, important. We need to also give assets because in order to help people in need, to help the community, we need money. You need actual assets. But in addition to that, we also need other things, time, talents to give to to tzedakah. Bill, yes? Uh, 
do you get do you get credit for having children, for example, like they do, like uh, President Biden thinks it's a good idea. Tax deductions in Israel, you're asking about. So do you have a form? Israel have a form? has a tax system like we do. Huh? I'm not following your question. Does Israel has a ta have a tax system and fill out well, taxes? I was just using that as an analogy. And we do it exactly to our government, practically April 15th and thereafter. So, uh, th by the way, does this shul have a, a federal... We are tax deductible. Yes, this shul is tax deductible. So you might want to tell people what that is. Yes, this shul is tax deductible. I'd be happy to get the number for you if you need it. I'd be happy to get you, and definitely we appreciate any donations that you give towards this community, particularly towards our school, the Jewish education, the future of this community. Absolutely. Thank you for mentioning that. Yes, because we're ensuring the future of the Jewish people. Education is a very important mitzvah, and any mitzvah is considered tzedakah. So that's an investment too. Absolutely. Most important investment. Absolutely. Most important thing that you can give to, and uh, definitely encourage everyone, if you're trying to find that tzedakah, don't look much further, just look around you. So in conclusion, giving tzedakah not only makes us feel good about ourselves, but it is the greatest mitzvah. It is the mitzvah, as we said at the beginning. It saves us from death, from, as we mentioned earlier, it saves us from negative things. It brings us blessings. It's not just for rich people, it's for everyone. More than tzedakah does for the recipient, it does even more for the giver. It helps our souls, it helps heal our soul, and it helps give us more money than we gave. And so therefore a person, no matter how much they have, should give tzedakah more than they are able. However much you're able to give, give tzedakah more than you're able to give. The Rebbe would often call for people at certain events to say everybody here should now, the Rebbe would do this often at public events, say everybody here, everybody listening right now should make a pledge to tzedakah However much you think you can give, give more. Add to that. Make a pledge right here and now that you're going to give an amount that you can give to tzedakah and then increase that amount significantly and give more than you're able. If you do that right now, you will, and then follow through on it, God will give you blessings beyond your expectations. God will be generous with you, help your soul spiritually, but also help you physically. God will give you assets and blessings much more than you would have expected, much more than you can imagine. If we all, and I encourage you to do so right now, if we all commit to give more than our ability, more than we are able, God will do the same and will respond and give us more than we ever expected. Um, as it, the Prophet says, If you give blessings, says Malachi, I will pour you, if you give tzedakah, I will pour you blessings until no end. And the Talmud says that means until it will be so much that you'll have to tell God enough 
Enough! I can't deal with so much. He'll give you so much blessings. If you commit to tzedakah and give more than your expectations, you will get back many, the Rebbe would always say, many, many, many times more. And as the Prophet says, try it. Test God. See if it works. So I thank you all for joining, and hopefully you are inspired today.